0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life in person or online.
1: If you're joining us for the first time online, if you're tuning in or you're watching this later, we've been on this series, Garden City, a new way to be human. I know it's not about gardening, but it might help if you learned how to garden. I'm sure there's a lot of good extra qualities you could learn and develop through gardening. But you know, maybe you've wondered how do I have a meaningful life? You know, I think given the season that we're in. How is this meaningful? How is my current routine, how is this meaningful? How is this making a difference? Maybe online you're watching and you are in severe isolation and you're wondering, how is this living a meaningful life? How is this meaningful when my job that was very interactive with people is now being done from home and the only person I see is my dog or whoever, you know? How is that meaningful? How am I supposed to serve God when I barely have any energy to do the rest of my life with? Have you ever wondered those questions? How does, you know, managing little humans, you know, that are under three feet tall and breaking up fights every five minutes, trying to keep the house clean for five minutes, how is that having a meaningful life? And know what we've been looking and in this series, we are looking at these questions, we're answering some of these questions and we've got a video that we're gonna watch to start things up. So go ahead, media, you can run the video.
0: Every morning, Bruce steps into his garbage truck, prays for God's blessing, fires up the engine and begins his route. While most drivers find little meaning in their work, Bruce knows that he's embarking on a mission.
2: On my dashboard, I have a bunch of index cards and quotes, Bible verses to remind me that I'm doing a sacred work, as funny as that sounds. Here's a quote from Arthur Luther King. If it falls on you to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, or Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. This is how Bruce sees his job. He's not exactly a street sweeper,
0: but he is responsible for keeping the streets clean as he spends his days navigating narrow back alleys, picking at the accumulated garbage of his neighbors.
2: I also have this verse, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It reminds me that God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden and God has placed me in this truck. Every plastic bag or dirty diaper that I keep off the streets is an offering to honor God. I've been beautifying God's good earth and protecting his masterpiece of creation. Because of this perspective, Bruce is more motivated and joyful than all his co-workers. He doesn't
0: just do his job, he is the master of his craft as a driver, attentive to every tight
2: turn and every detail. A lot of my co-workers give me a hard time for my strange love of sanitation, but behind their banters, there's a deep level of respect that's evident. A lot of them look to me as a mentor. And even though my family consists of me, my wife, and my three kids, every weekend we put out eight seats at our table. We ask God to fill them with people who need a sense of family. Lots of times, those seats are filled by my co-workers. Not only does Bruce give of
0: his time for the sake of his co-workers, he also intentionally chooses the hardest driving routes. By bearing the burden of a difficult route, he imitates the self-giving pattern of the cross.
2: Jesus served others. He washed people's feet. Driving my truck isn't just a way to serve my coworkers. It's my way of washing the feet of the city. As I drive through each alley, I pray over the homes. I pray for the flourishing of the city. I imagine things like what would happen if nobody ever picked up the trash? Life would become miserable, as God's good world would be covered in garbage, and the stench would offend the whole neighborhood. Disease would drive people from their homes. So by removing trash from the streets, I'm tangibly loving my neighbor.
0: His coworkers often ask Bruce why his life is so different, why he loves his job so
2: much. It could be easy for Bruce to give them a stale, memorized gospel presentation. What I usually do is, I'll take them to the back of the truck and look at the trash and tell them, the reason I find so much joy in my work is that I believe every inch of this world belongs to God and that my keeping the city clean, I'm serving Him. He made us to flourish, but everything got messed up a long time ago. All the proof you need is in the back of this garbage truck. When you look back here, you see a lot of formerly good things that are now broken, rotting, and decaying. It isn't limited to the garbage bin. It's happening in countries at war, in the strain on our marriages, in the pain we feel in our knees. Sin isn't just a list of bad things you shouldn't do, but a disease that infects all of creation, starting with every human heart. It would make sense for God to crush the whole world and all that's broken. However, he doesn't intend to throw the world in the garbage. He plans to recycle, renew, and restore all things. When Jesus came into this world, He entered the garbage bin of this earth to make all things new. He didn't just snap His fingers to make things better. He stepped into the trash compactor in our place. He was crushed so that we, along with the world, don't have to be. In His resurrection, He showed the power of God to deal with the brokenness of sin and death, and to renew the world.
0: When Bruce tells his coworkers that story, some roll their eyes or politely try to change the subject. But many times, people wanna know more, and that gives Bruce an opportunity to invite them to a small group or to church so they can experience community and see the gospel lived out in the lives of others.
2: To me, every stinky bag of trash is a beautiful reminder that I have a privilege to approach my work as a way to glorify God and make his new creation reality evident for everyone to see.
1: story. It is a true story. We read it. It was a book that we went through a couple years ago as a staff and JD compiled a video illustration because we thought that's always better than me trying to read it. But isn't that crazy? I just love that story because you know what? This guy got it. You know, he figured out a new way to be human in a job that, you know, monotonous, kind of a thankless job. Kind of, It's even dangerous. You know, a garbage truck driving is considered one of the top 10 deadliest jobs because of all of the hazardous waste people just kind of throw in there or even just the wear and tear on the body. And I just, I love this because he's got, he got it. It's just like, okay, yeah, that's pretty amazing. But, but here's the thing. And this is what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks in this series. He didn't Look to his job, his work, or you know, you could even insert his school in there, whatever it is. He didn't look to his work as a means to bring meaning to his life, but he used his life and the life of Christ in him to bring meaning to his work, to the activities of his life. And you know, it's so great because a daily routine. That could have easily been something I just need to endure or can't wait till 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock so I can go home. And instead of this daily routine being something that he tried to escape from or could have easily been like, oh, I just can't work and for the weekend, it actually became the way that he experienced meaning and significance not only in his life but through his life. And I think sometimes we kind of have these, these funky ideas about about what God expects of us or about what following Jesus is like. You know, we think, we think the, the, the important stuff is the one hour on during the week when we're doing our church thing or the other times of the week when we're doing maybe small group or we're reading our Bible for the five minutes or whatever it is, or we're putting together a study or working on a class um, program for teaching in the kids' classes or whatever, and, and the rest of the time is just kind of filler. But that doesn't make any sense. There's purpose and meaning that we can bring to whatever activity we're in, not just our job, not, but school, to the mundane activities that are just like, got to do it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, we kind of do it and we like, oh, it has to be done. You know what, there's actually purpose that can come in those most ordinary of activities. And, you know, I love how, you know, this is actually what the gospel message is about. Listen to how Eugene Peterson, he's the guy that wrote the message translation, he said this, he said, the uniqueness of the gospel is not that it gets us to do something entirely new, but that it sends us back to what we've been doing all along, but this time with Jesus. Isn't that great? See, the whole point of following Jesus isn't to escape our life. The whole point of following Jesus is that he sends us back into our life, except to do what we've been doing all along, but this time with him. And, you know, Mike, Mike kind of explained a little bit of this, you know, why we kind of have these funny ideas. Last week, he talked about how everything is spiritual, and you know, in, and also in, in the Hebrew language, the, the language that three-quarters of the Bible is written in, in that language, there's no word for spiritual because everything is spiritual in the hebrew mindset in the jewish mindset and you know the reason we we have this divide not just in the church but where we kind of have this divide in society this secular versus spiritual way of thinking you know where it came from the greeks the greeks messed it up <laughs> i love the greeks but the Greek philosophers, they had this idea where they brought in the idea of this separation of, of, of the physical and the spiritual or the spiritual and the secular. And their whole goal was that you're, you're, the way that you actually experience transcendence or meaning in life was that someday when you died, your, your soul would finally be separated from your body and now you could just be a really cool soul. Except that's not the reality that God's in. And, and this way of thinking, the way it kind of crept into the church is because in the early church, there were a whole bunch of Greeks that started to follow Jesus. And they'd been trained in this way of thinking their whole life. It was part of their schooling. And so this thinking from culture crept into the church and over time, not just in the church, but in society, there was this divide between I've got this secular, my everyday life, and then I've got this spiritual, we kind of don't know what it is, and we thought it was this soul kind of energy thing, but now we think it's just Jesus, you know, he's kind of like the spiritual, we don't know where he is because he's not around anymore, and you know, there's a spirit thing, and we kind of think that's the point, someday we'll be this soul, and we'll be this spirit in heaven someday. You know what? That's not the gospel, it's not the gospel, and it's not the way that we understand scripture. And, and see, what happens when we try to compartmentalize life, where we have our God box, and then we have our work-slash-school box, and then we have our play box, that's like everything we really want to do, <laughs> when we live that way, we're always going to feel like there's something missing. We're always going to feel like there's something not quite right, that there's something incomplete because that's the way God made us to work. And, and this is why Bruce's story is so cool. It's kind of weird, though. It's because he was just an ordinary guy, and Bruce had smashed the boxes. He learned how to smash, and everything, every part of his life was lived in this way that, that when, you, when, you, when, you, when God is not kept in the nice little God box, but we somehow figure out a way to live that allows his life to kind of seep into all the different parts of our life. Man, that's when you start to experience fulfillment. That's when you start to bring purpose and meaning into your settings. And that's what transforms the ordinary. And that's, I think that's really good news. And that's actually the good news that Jesus came bringing the good news that Jesus came bringing, came to earth bringing wasn't that, I'm here to die for your sins so that someday you can go to this place called heaven. No, his message that he came preaching was God's kingdom is coming to earth now. And you get to experience a taste of that now. And as you follow me, I'm going to show you how to live so that you can kind of open up the door and point to the little signs that are starting to take place now here on earth that are like a signpost to the reality of, that is someday going to come and take over everything here on this earth. That's what we've been called to. And see, that's where God's life can get into every part of our lives. And it starts with something as easy as just being intentional. Being intentional. It's not like you have to learn how to do a whole bunch of crazy things. You just start, it's just like a little bit of a flip the switch. You call it living switched on, kind of like a light switched. Flip on, flip off. Do you live switched on or do you live switched off? See, when we say yes to Jesus, we actually receive the life of God in us. And then we can choose, though, are we just going to keep that, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this. Or do we live allowing the life and the power of God to come through us? Living switched on, living with intention, you know, this is kind of what Paul was getting at when he told his young protege, he told Timothy, he said, listen, stir up that gift that's in you. Stir up that God life that's in you. And that word stir up, it's a really interesting word. It's like the idea of stirring up. You know when, you're in, you, know when you have a campfire and there's just a little bit of coals left, you know, and you stir it up and it flames up again? That's exactly what he's talking about. It's like, it's this instant spark. Something that wasn't there before is now present. Now, I think if Paul was alive today, he'd be saying, keep the switch on. Because Paul had no idea what electricity was. But it's kind of the same idea. Turn the spark on. So you've got to remember God's goal, again, God's goal isn't to get us to heaven. God's goal is to get heaven through us every single day. Like, just if we just stop and think about that, it, is, it makes sense, but it's a lot more appealing way to live than trying to look for something out in my world to try to make something feel good inside me. It's like, I can bring that purpose. I can bring that meaning. God's goal isn't to get you to heaven. God's goal is to get heaven through you into whatever setting you're in. Again, Paul, he explained it this way. Colossians three seventeen. He said, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master Jesus, thanking God every step of the way. What does it mean to do something in Jesus' name? Well, it means you represent him. If I tell my daughter... You can use my name. Just tell them I said, Monica said, it's okay. She's representing me. Sometimes she does that well. Sometimes, no, I know, You're most of the time you're good. Just tell them your mom said it's okay. My mom said, <laughs> but that's actually what this means. My dad said, my God said, do every detail. Colossians 3, 24, here's another one. Paul said, put your heart and soul into every activity you do. As though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. So, for we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord. How we do work here on earth is creating some type of reward in heaven for us. I don't know what that is, but it is. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever, everyone say whatever you do. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that that phrase, glory of God, there's a part of me that just goes, cringes, because what in the world does that mean today? The glory of God simply means God's awesomeness. Whatever we do, do it in a way that people can see God's awesomeness, whether it's God's kindness or God's friendship. So. What does all that mean? Does it mean I'm supposed to pray all the time? Well, what happens if I don't have any clue what to say? I don't know how to pray. Does it mean I'm supposed to just preach to everybody at work or at school? It's like, no, I do not want to be that guy or that person. Does it mean I need to do miracles? Never have I ever seen a miracle. So what does that actually mean? Well, it means this. Just think back to Bruce. Just look at how ordinary all of the activities of his day was. There was no miracles. There were no blind people getting their eyes healed. He wasn't doing anything really wild and crazy. There wasn't any of this big whoop, boom, oh yeah, I felt the presence of God, it was awesome and you know. He didn't quote scriptures to people, he had quoted them to himself. He had them written and put on his dashboard. But you know, he just simply, he had people over for supper. It's pretty ordinary. He served, he did the hard stuff, kind of ordinary. You know, and something about him stood out that people started to ask him. They started to pay attention. And every now and then, he had an opportunity to tell people the reason for what he was doing. And there's three things, three intentions that Bruce lived from. I think they sum up his life. Three intentions, three things that he, he was really purposeful about every single day or whatever activity he was in. And I think these same intentions, they, every single one of us can live with these same intentions, whether you are, you've got a degree or whether you are jobless or you're homeless or you're in school or you're working full time or whether you have a job you love or a job you hate and you're, or you're unemployed. We all can live from these same intentions. So here's the first one. Number one, everyone say number one. Number one, he lived from the intention of understanding I'm a steward. I'm a steward. Right back to that verse he quoted right at the beginning that he had on his card. He said, I have this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. Bruce is reminded that just like God placed Adam in the garden of Eden, God had placed Bruce in this truck. Bruce's particular plot in God's garden happens to be the back alleys of his city, and he cultivates those alleys for the glory of God. I love that. Bruce recognized that God had placed him in his truck. God had placed him there. It wasn't just a job he got or a job he decided to do. He, re- he reminded, God placed me here. God gave me this opportunity. And what was his plot? Well, it was the back alleys. And so my question for every one of us in the room, and a question for you at Church Online as well, where has God placed you, and what's your plot? And how you work in your plot? Your plot might be babies. Your plot might be at home. Your plot might be your office. But being intentional is about recognizing that I'm a steward, and that means how am I imaging God into that setting? What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like Chris Petuskin. Chris, our wonderful sound guy. Everybody give Chris a cheer. We love you, Chris. Chris. You know what Chris's plot is? Chris's current plot is Alexis Service Bay. And you know how he's imaging God? He's reflecting God's faithfulness 43 years. You know, I think sometimes we kind of in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture that is very shifting and changing and this is changing and that's changing, there is something powerful about somebody sticking in the same position for 43 years. Do you know why? Because that's imaging the faithfulness of God. It's imaging the steadfastness of God. It's imaging this picture of God. And even the way Chris works, he's a man. if you know Chris, he is a man of details. He is a man of excellence. And that is a way he's imaging the excellence and a God of details by taking care of great and great care of whatever he's doing. That is a powerful act of worship is Kathy Jo Matthews, who you're probably watching online, Kathy Jo. I don't particularly but I think right now her plot is her desk. How does she image God? Well, she is imaging God's order with well-detailed, balanced books and efficient bookkeeping systems and other systems she does. She creates order out of chaos, and that is imaging a God who does exactly that. She brings order out of chaos, God brings order. She's giving people a glimpse, this is what God does. Now she doesn't have to say that, but she does. You know what else it looks like? It looks like Phil Hebert. And you know what his plot is? His plot is anywhere something needs to be fixed. I'm serious, I am serious. That's his plot. He's so good, his plot just keeps changing. He gets another plot. How does he image God? He images, I can do. I can fix it. I can do it. And that's exactly the character of God. How will I serve is the second intention Bruce lives from. How will I serve? And you know what? This is just really about making God's love practical. I love what he said. By removing trash from the streets, I'm tangibly loving my neighbor. Every plastic bag or dirty diaper that Bruce keeps off the streets is an offering to God, and he sees himself as beautifying God's good earth and protecting God's masterpiece of creation. What do you call gross work? What do you call hard work? Like work that's not hard, work. I'm working hard, but I mean really hard. Like this is like, oh, I don't want to do this. What do you call that kind of work? You call it the cross. You call it the cross. Because, see, the greatest act of God's love, his greatest act of sacrifice and self-giving love was at the cross. I love it. Look at Bruce. He intentionally chooses the hardest roots. By bearing the burden of a difficult route, he imitates the self-giving pattern of the cross. It's Bruce's way of washing the feet of the city. I love it. Now, you could say, well, he's just doing his job and he got paid for it. Well, yeah, but... The other side of that is, but the difference was, he wasn't just doing that. He was doing the hard stuff with an intentionality. And see, when we bring that same, how am I serving? How, am I, how can I look at what I'm doing as an act of service? It releases the power of the cross into every single one of those circumstances, into those settings. How will I serve? I love this. How of the, it's the power of the cross. It's the example of people like Amber Cook how is she serving she is her little plot is the co in LaDuke. and how is she imaging? going she's serving by creating not just doing her thing down there she's serving by creating community it could be in an environment where a co you just kind of come in do your thing and you go out she's working to create community it's a story of jim a guy who had a Toyota, and he's like, I got a Toyota. How can I use this as an instrument to show God's love to people? You know what he did? He became an Uber driver. And he, made, he gave his earnings. He didn't need that. He, he donated it to other charities. But the main reason he wanted to be an Uber driver was because he realized that so many people don't have meaningful conversations during the day. Nobody's asking them deep questions. And so they, he and his buddies that were doing this kind of as a group thing, these Uber drivers with purpose, they would ask people, they would get into just not threatening and not really like, whoa, heavy questions, but just questions that would get people to think deeper. Like, what would you disinvent in life? One guy said Facebook. It's a good disinvention. But here's another one. It looks like Bill the, Bill, he was an entrepreneur who, he lost thousands of dollars on a job, because he kept his word and gave the contract to the company that he said he would give it to even though a lower bid came in later. But he kept his word, that's showing the cross in action. It's Michelle Holland who took a very difficult job as a teacher in an area where she had very little experience teaching special needs kids and English as a second language kids virtually. How hard is that? But there was something in her, she had been imaging God's care and concern for the students that that's what's got her, that's what got her her principal's attention. And he's like, there's this opportunity, here's this job, you can, I think you could do it. And it was the last thing she wanted, but she took it. And if you could ask her today, she will tell you there's so much that she has learned and so much that she's discovered about God's grace in this season. Maybe it's mowing the yard of the single mom down the street or just simply not freaking out when you're rear-ended by the guy that wasn't looking <laughs> when you're driving. And the last intention Bruce lived from was this. How can I tell the true story? How can I tell the true story? You know, this is simply pulling back the curtain and giving people a picture of hope. So good works aren't just to draw attention to ourselves. It's not just so people can go, oh, you're a really hard worker. I mean, I could be part of it, but ultimately, it's finding a way to connect the dots between what we're doing to the God that it's really for. Why are you so different? People would ask Bruce. Well, the reason I find so much joy in my work is I believe every inch of this world belongs to God and that by keeping the city clean, I'm actually serving him. Like, how simple is that? I was not preachy. I love this, his comparison. God made us to flourish, but everything got messed up. All the proof you need is in the back of this truck. Things that were once good are now broken. They're decaying. It happens all around us. See, we know this. It happens in our marriages. It happens in our bodies. <laughs> but Jesus came into the world. Isn't this great? He entered the garbage bin of this earth to make all things new. He didn't snap his fingers. He stepped into the trash compactor in our place. I love it. You know what? People just simply asked Bruce, you are weird, buddy. Like, what's with you? And he didn't take offense. He's just like, this is why. Let me tell you a story. You know, telling God's story is simply looking for ways to connect the beauty around us or to connect the pain around us to the problem and to most of all god's remedy and what he's doing let's stand you know what god's love for every single person god's love for the world is continually being spoken and you know what the way that we can help that voice be heard is simply when we live with intention We recognize we're stewards. We're here to serve, we figure out ways to try to tell the story. And when we're living this way, that's what turns up the volume on the love of God and who he is and what he's done and what he's about. Can we pray? I want you to think for a minute. What is your plot? I want you to invite you to close your eyes. Church Online, I want to invite you to do the same. Can we close our eyes? And I want to pray for you. I want you to get a picture. What is your plot? Where has God placed you? And I wanna pray that God would begin to give all of us new eyes to see the possibility, to see the potential, to see the purpose that we can bring into every one of those settings. God, I pray, I pray for every person that's in this room, every person that is online, that's watching now on Sunday but might be tuning in later. God, you're the one that has given us whatever job, whatever setting we're in, and God, we thank you And God, I pray that even this week, there would just be such a renewed, there'd be an opening up of our eyes and our understanding to see who you are and to see what you've given us, the opportunity that you've given us, the plot of ground where you placed us. God, that we would see it with new eyes. We would see it with the eyes of how we can can work, how we can serve, how we can do the hard stuff in a way that images you in such a powerful way. God that allows the volume of your love to be heard in such a real way, God, we thank you for that. We thank you. That's just so good. And just everyone with your eyes closed and online as well. We want to pray one for the prayer. You know, it's you know we can't actually bring this kind of meaning into what we do on our own. I mean, our our, our human goodness only goes so far. But what transforms people, what transforms circumstances, what transforms situations and settings and environments is the life of God in us. And the only way we get that is through our life where we receive the life of Jesus Christ and we follow him so that life grows through us. And you've never said yes to a life with Jesus. I wanna pray now and we can all pray this prayer together in room or online as well. Just pray with me, say, Jesus, thank you for everything you have done through the cross, through your resurrection. Jesus, I say yes to this salvation gift and to following you and to living on mission with you every day from this day forward. Amen.